Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Friday, June 25th, 2021. On today's episode of the show, we're going to be reacting to a pair of new trailers that were released last night. Uh, my name is Ben Pearson. I'm the senior writer at SlashFilm.com, and I'm joined on today's episode, for this first part anyway, by Slash Film Weekend Editor Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. All right, Brad. So you and I are here to talk about Halloween Kills, which is the new, uh, tra- or I guess the, the trailer for Halloween Kills. There have been, what, two trailers now at this point, I think? Yeah. Uh, so this new one dropped last night, and um, I think it looks pretty awesome. You did a whole trailer breakdown of it, which I have not actually had the pleasure of reading yet, but we'll link to that in the show notes. Uh, I wanted to talk to you. What did you think about this trailer generally? And then maybe, yeah, you could give me like some highlights that you discovered as you uh, went through, you know, frame by frame. Yeah, I love this trailer. Um, I, I love the Halloween reboot slash sequel, as it were, from 2018. Um, and I like the way they're continuing this one. It, it follows in somewhat similar footsteps as Halloween 2 because uh, it takes place immediately after the events of the original Halloween. It continues basically right where we left off, where uh, Michael Myers was left to burn in Laurie Strode's makeshift fortress cabin that her and her family trapped him in and mm-hmm. uh, leaving it on fire. Um, and then they hitched a ride with a, um, a truck that happened to be passing by and helped them to get into town. But then as we see a whole batch of firefighters go uh, screaming by on the way to put out the fire, uh, despite the pleas, you know, of them to just let the house burn and hopefully kill Michael Myers. And uh, we get a taste of this, what's going to be a really cool, massacre sequence where Michael Myers just tears through a bunch of firefighters there trying to put out the fire uh, using some of their own tools against them, including a, a pry bar and a, a big buzzsaw. Yeah. With, the, the jaws of life, I think. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, man, that is uh that is quite the, um, the interesting uh, method of, of killing these poor firefighters. Yeah. Michael Myers definitely finds uh, new creative ways to kill people in this one. There's an, another shot where he jams a fluorescent light bulb tube into a woman's neck. <laughs> yes. um, so yeah, so that's pretty cool. And then there's, there's some cool Easter eggs in here too. Um, uh, there's a reference to the masks from Halloween three season of the witch, uh, the skeleton jack-o'-lantern and witch masks that, um, came from silver shamrock. And we actually saw these masks in Halloween 2018 on some trick-or-treaters when Michael Myers was stalking around Haddonfield. 
And it looks like he took those masks from some kids and put them on uh, some victims that he killed and left on a playground. Um, and oh, actually, okay. I was wondering if it was meant to be those same characters, but I, I haven't taken a close enough look at it. It looks like they're, what are there? Are those masks on like uh, older people's bodies or something? Than, yeah, than they're on adults. And, and actually, interestingly enough, two of the masks are on two background characters that we also saw in that same scene where we saw the masks. There's, um, there's a cool single shot sequence where Michael Myers walks through um, this like residents garage and into their kitchen and kill somebody inside. And that's how he gets a hold of a knife. Uh, and we follow him as he goes around the house inside of it and back out the front door. And in that sequence, we see a couple dressed as a nurse and a doctor who are on their way to a Halloween party. And it looks like that couple is uh, two of the victims who he puts those masks on uh, in that, that playground. So, hmm. so okay. yeah, so there's a lot of cool details that they held on to from the original movie uh, that carry over into this one. Um, so yeah, it looks like it's going to be pretty cool. There's um, we have a returning character as well. Uh, Nancy Stevens is back as Nurse Marion Chambers, who worked with Doctor Loomis um, in the original Halloween. And uh, there's something going on where, like, I don't know if we're going to get like an insight into you know uh, the the evil that is Michael Myers, but there's a quick mention in here where there's a new character. I'm not sure who it is. He's sitting in a car with um, Laurie Strode's granddaughter and her boyfriend, who is a bit of a dick in the original Halloween movie. <laughs> and he's looking at a map and he's pointing out that the the people that he has been killing seem to be making a path towards his childhood home. So, mm. yeah. And then Anthony Michael Hall shows up as Tommy Doyle. Yeah, yeah. He, for those of you that don't remember, uh, Tommy Doyle is uh, the young boy, who, um, one of the two kids that Laurie Strode was babysitting in the original movie. And uh, Anthony Michael Hall plays a grown-up version of him. And it looks like he's pretty pissed off, probably because uh, Michael Myers traumatized him as a kid. And now that he hears that he's out and killing people again, he picks up a baseball bat and it looks like he's looking for a fight. <laughs> Yeah, man, I was I was so taken by um, the general vibe and tones that that uh, were sort of emanating off of this trailer. It seems like you know there's a lot of um, of mob mentality and just like rage, but you know, burning not even beneath the surface, but just on the surface of all of these people who have been affected by Michael Myers over the course of all these years in this town. And you know, it just makes me think like this is going to be a movie that has a lot to say. Uh, I have no idea whether or not all of that will come together in a you know a coherent and satisfying way but um in terms of cutting a trailer super effectively i don't think you can do it much better than this yeah it's it's a fantastic trailer that sets the stage for the sequel there's so many cool shots and uh yeah i'm really intrigued to see uh, how david gordon green and danny mcbride which is it's crazy that they're even doing these movies um <laughs> you know what, what they do with with michael myers now especially knowing that there's also another movie coming after this so they clearly have some grand plan yeah, and I don't know if you know this off the top of your head, Brad, but I think the original plan, which was thrown into chaos by COVID, of course, uh, was to release these movies essentially back to back, like one in one year. And then I think it's called Halloween Ends is the yeah. one that comes after this. And that was supposed to come out the next year. So now that uh, the release dates have shuffled a little bit, do you happen to know if Halloween Kills, which is coming out in October of this year is going to just be, you know, one year before Halloween ends. Are they still going to be able to sort of stick with that original kind of plan? I think so because like they, the only thing that was really delayed was production and it kind of worked out also because the release of Halloween kills got delayed an entire year as well. It was meant to come out last October. So mm -hmm. these, these movies don't take, you know, a super long time to finish because they're not massive blockbusters with a lot of visual effects to finish up. So yeah. uh, they should be able to still shoot this one. And uh, as far as it looks, uh, Halloween ends is still, 
still slated for um, to hit theaters October next year. Awesome. Okay, cool. Uh, any other like, you know, little snatches of, of uh, imagery or anything that stood out to you? Or maybe, oh, do you want to talk about the, um, what did you think about the, the score? There was like, uh, you know, that Halloween, that famous Halloween theme uh, was sort of redone a little bit. Did you uh, have yeah, any thoughts on that? I, yeah, I think it's awesome because uh, there is a little bit of the piano in there still, the, you know, the, the famous version of the Halloween score, but there's also these like really deep, rich string uh, version of the theme that's in it as well. And it's, it's definitely very haunting and ominous. And uh, it also, you know, echoes the, what they did with Halloween 2 because Halloween 2 changed up the theme a little bit and made it more of um, an electronic synthesized version of the Halloween uh, piano mm-hmm. theme. Uh, this I like better because I think that the Halloween two version of the theme is a little grating on the ears after a while. Um, but yeah, very, very cool uh, rendition. I hope this makes it actually into the movie instead of just being something that's specifically made for trailers. Um, but, uh, yeah, I guess we'll have to wait and see, but, um, all right, Brad. So I think, I think it's going to bring us to the end of, uh, of this portion of the podcast. Why don't you tell people where they can find more of your work online? at Ethan underscore Anderton on Twitter, always writing at slash film.com. Uh, and I have a silly Instagram where I chronicle new snacks and collectibles and soft drinks and other sort of nonsense that interests me uh, on Instagram at look at Brad's junk. Check that out for fun things. All right. And now I am joined by a slash film writer, Huay Tran Bui. HG, how's it going? Good. How's it going with you? Okay. Uh, all right. So we're here now to talk about the newest trailer for Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. And uh, you did a trailer breakdown of this. And I was just hoping to get your sort of general impressions of the trailer. And then maybe uh, just like Brad did for Halloween Kills, you could sort of point out a few things that people may have uh, not noticed if they just watched it passively the first time. Yeah, so I was intrigued by the first teaser trailer that we had a couple, uh, was it weeks, months ago? Mm-hmm. And um, I was especially intrigued by the Wuxia-inspired visuals that we saw sprinkled throughout that first trailer. Um, and I have to say, I was a little disappointed when we got this full official trailer this time around because uh, I, as much as I said for Tony Lung and for those pieces of uh, wuxia inspired and by wuxia i mean wuxia martial, martial arts films like crouching tiger hidden dragon or house of flying daggers and such uh it just felt to me the visuals of this film and this trailer especially just felt very samey to me it felt very glossy um and my friend actually pointed this out so i'll have to get cre- good credit to him it looked kind of like a netflix film which i have to agree with because it just i wasn't really impressed with how shang chi looks this time around um, and I also thought it was interesting that um, Simu Lu's character, uh, oh sorry, not Simon, Simu Lu's character, Shang-Chi, takes the um, backseat in this trailer. It's very much more about Tony Lung, which I was very happy with anyways. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, he he's not quite as much of an active presence here. Uh, things just kind of happened to him. I was happy to see more Tony Lung um, as this mysterious enigmatic, maybe the real Mandarin character. Uh, but otherwise, I was just a little disappointed by this uh, official trailer that we got. Yeah, I have to say, I share your uh, your reservations, your disappointment with this. I think, um, yeah, that, something about that first teaser uh, sort of dropping us into this world in this little corner of the MCU Um, just, I don't know, my appetite was whetted by that teaser. And then, yeah, getting this sort of fuller meal of this trailer, I just found myself, um, really sort of, uh, (laughs) 
like bristling against it. Like, especially at the very end, there's, you know, it seems to build to this fight between father and son and, you know, thematically all of this stuff, I don't really have a problem with That's That kind of seems like uh, par for the course in terms of MCU um, stuff. You know, there's a lot of daddy issues going on there, mm-hmm. but um, the, the fight scenes and stuff at the very end of this trailer, it basically just looks like, you know, two people and there's like one has blue powers, one has orange powers and they're clashing. And it's like, you know, Harry Potter wand wars and, you know, WandaVision uh, battles in the skies kind of stuff that we've seen, you know, a, a countless number of times over the past 20 years or something. Um, I, I was sort of like surprised that Shang-Chi, uh, I guess, resorted to that when it has the potential to do something so much more visually interesting, um, you know, in, in this part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. but Yeah, um, and the fact that it seems to be structured primarily around a fighting tournament just feels like a very lazy mm. thing to do with a martial arts-driven movie. Okay, so tell me about that. I, I didn't really get that, uh, you know, I didn't really understand that from the, the one time that I watched this trailer, but you went frame by frame through this thing. So what did you learn and, and what were some things that people may not have noticed? Yeah, so there is there seems to be uh, prominently featured a fighting tournament, an underground fighting tournament, tournament in some kind of casino or gambling den, and uh, Shang Chi is participating in it. Uh, and this, it, according to leaked plot details, is a tournament that the winner will uh, be able to win the right to wield the ten rings, which are the weapons wielded by uh, Tony Lung's. Wen Wu, uh, which is the uh, a weapon that has been passed down for generations in his family, and we can see Tony Lung wielding it in sort of ancient Chinese times. So it's either sort of suggested that he's immortal, or that all of his uh, ancestors look like him, right? <laughs> <laughs> but yes, uh, this this is according to the leaked plot de- details, so I can't quite confirm that, but mm-hmm. that suggests that this tournament plays a pretty major part in this film. And of course, the the big kicker at the end of the trailer shows the abomination from the Incredible Hulk fighting in this tournament uh, against Benedict Wong's Wong from Doctor Strange. Okay, so... Um... I mean, yeah, again, it's not surprising that there are that there's connective tissue in an MCU movie like this. But the other big sort of, I don't know if you want to call it a reveal or one of the big um, money shots of this trailer is, I think it's Shang-Chi's character is underwater and there he comes face to face with what appears to be a dragon. Do you know anything about that? Yeah, there is a dragon that he uh, spots while he's submerged underwater. And in the toys released for Shang-Chi, this dragon is referred to as the Great Protector. Um, and, but it's also closely resembles a Marvel antagonist, which I'm going to say and the name of, and I apologize because this is a character that was created at a much less socially conscious time, and it really pains me to say it at all. But this character in Marvel Comics was called Fin Fang Foom, which sounds, you know, just just a hair shy of of being a racist (laughs) caricature of a Chinese name. Yeah, great protector (laughs) is uh, is much better there. Yes, (laughs) Uh, but this this dragon, I'm not going to say its name anymore. (laughs) 
uh, is actually an alien in the comics that hails from the distant planet of Kakaranthara um, and came to Earth uh, with several other members of its race, also known as the Makluans. And it for, it's what first brought the Ten Rings of Power to Earth, which then fell into the hands of the Mandarin. Now, it must be said, too, that Simulu said, has shot down rumors that this character, as we see in the Marvel comics, uh, will appear, referring to the dragon as one of the questionable elements from the comics. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if the if the movie pulls elements from that character, uh, but not the name. Mm-hmm. So maybe the the great protector will be, you know, from this alien planet or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, is there a chance that it's a dream sequence, do you think? Because uh, th- this idea that there are dragon aliens on earth um is kind of a (laughs) you know that's kind of a a game-changing reveal uh even for the marvel cinematic universe i mean i know there's a lot of wild stuff that happens there but a lot of it um seems relatively contained uh and and or you know on other planets that that the really kind of crazy stuff uh kicks up do you think that we're just entering a new era of the mcu where like all bets are off and like everything on earth is just going completely bonkers now and uh we don't need portals in the sky anymore for aliens to come through it's just like (laughs) alien dragons are here now well with the eternals coming up those are also technically aliens that have been living on earth since antiquity so Mm -hmm. uh i feel like it's just this new phase is not only about exploring the cosmos but about realizing that yeah aliens have been here all along uh which is fine robots uh were uh hanging out with harriet tubman or something (laughs) just like the transformers taught us yes um all right so were there any other reveals or, or maybe interesting shots or little pieces of footage or anything that um that stood out to you i know that you mentioned the abomination that seems like sort of a, a big deal, the return potentially of, uh, of Tim Roth. I'm not sure if he's actually going to appear in this movie or if he's doing like the motion capture for that, uh, that character, but that's the, the sort of like monster hulkish figure that he sort of mutated into in 2008's The Incredible Hulk, which is like well, the one really, Yeah. One really exciting detail is that the Abomination is now wearing a loincloth. <laughs> which Fantastic. That they've gone around and given him genital, genitals, which uh, he did not have in The Incredible Hulk, if you remember from the 2008 movie. Wow. So maybe Tim Roth is excited about that. Okay. Um, other things um, is the appearance of a, a short-haired woman fighting with Shang-Chi in the ring of this underground martial arts tournament, uh, who appears to be Sha Ling, played by Menger Zhang, uh, who, according to more leaked plot details, is Shang-Chi's estranged sister and Wenwu's daughter. So uh, mm. that's something that is a potential subplot or threat or plot thread as well. Interesting. Okay, so it might be just a, a full-blown family affair instead of just a, a purely sort of father-son uh, confrontation here. That's that's intriguing. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, I think that's going to do it, HC, unless you have any sort of closing thoughts on this. I mean, you know, I think you and I, um, we generally like Marvel stuff, right? That's kind mm-hmm. of fair to say. And and for both of us to, to sort of come away from this trailer being a little disappointed, I don't know what it says about this movie, um, if anything, or if it's just, you know, sort of a strangely cut trailer or something. But yeah. um, are you still like hopeful for this movie or what, what do you think? I'm hopeful, but I'm naturally, I feel like going to be a bit more... Um critical of it just because this is the first Asian superhero movie and I feel mm-hmm. like I I want it to be good but at the same time I am wary of being pandered to that right. makes sense. Yeah, yeah, for sure. 
Uh, all right, I think that's going to bring us to the end of today's episode of Slash Film Daily. You can find more. Uh, I encourage you all to go and, and check out those trailer breakdowns that HT and Brad wrote for uh, Shang-Chi and Halloween Kills. And you can, uh, yeah, find more stuff at SlashFilm.com and linked inside the show notes of this episode. Slash Film Daily is published every weekday, bringing you the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site. You can subscribe to this show on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all of the popular podcast apps, and send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns, and mailbag topics to us at peter at slashfilm.com. Make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word. Thank you all so much for listening, and we will talk to you on Monday.